0: As you venture west of Birmingham in the Ladywood district, you may find one of the city's hidden gems, the Edge Baston Reservoir. In this natural reserve stands a derelict building covered in graffiti, once known as the Tower Ballroom. Before its closure in 2017, this venue has seen 141 years of music dance, cuisine, sports and romance played out in the most exuberant manner and forging the tower in the hearts of Brommies throughout the generations. The current plan, coveted by the council, is to demolish this beloved building and turn it into housing, a controversial idea for the natural reserve and a piece of local heritage. Following the production of two films celebrating its past and at times imagined future, this podcast aims to focus on the present and ponders the question, what spaces do we really want? At only 29 years old, Danny Ebanks Ingram, aka Zaz, has landed their dream job by co-funding Civic Square, a platform for young people to express themselves and nurture the community, currently based in the Port Loop development. They dedicate their time by giving back to locals and fostering trust and kindness in the neighbourhood. And with these simple great gestures, they disrupt the traditional economic model to build a thriving community. Find out more at civicsquare.cc. Interview by Eleita Turena.
1: We first worked together, was it like last year and it was in the heat of the BLM protest and Mm -hmm. we were working on, would you like to explain what we were working on? Yeah, of course.
2: Should I do the whole story? Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. (laughs) I met Pete through my work at Civic Square. Pete was already quite connected with young people in Ladywood and he came to me and said that he wanted to do some sessions around Black Lives Matter or what that meant for the young people that like he knew was connected to. That was the real start of Mm -hmm. what these sessions could look like, and they were centered around Black Lives Matter. But also, I wanted to center Black joy within Mm -hmm. that too, and create a space where we were able to hold joy together, hold communities together, while also acknowledging lots of the difficulties that were and are still going on within society and how that kind of affects young people, particularly young black people. It is a topic that touches on our identities in a certain type of way. So that was what those sessions were really based around. Mm
1: -hmm. For context, Pete was a youth leader at my church and that's how I became involved with the project. I hadn't heard of Civic Square before that. I think I had heard about the new developments there were just people talking about them but i didn't know the work that civic square was doing around them i just knew port loop was a new development that was happening and i think i had walked by here a couple of times but i never really checked it out and i think working with you was the first time i really came here and then since that i've been to yard a lot and i've been here as well and it's been really cool and when we were working together i think it was so good because it didn't feel like you were just prodding us for answers it wasn't like oh talk about this talk about this thing that's happened to you it was more about all of us talking together and it was like you didn't have really specific questions you just had talking points and I thought that was cool I also loved going to get food with you guys (laughs) that was good our food trips are so good (laughs) yeah they were so long yeah it would be like an hour yeah and then the walking itself would be like (laughs) an hour (laughs) because no one would
2: decide what they wanted to
1: do But I think it was really good, especially coming back and then Maverney being like, how did you not put the plates out?
2: Mentioning Maverney is quite interesting because there was this intergenerational kind of thread that came through that in a Mm -hmm. way it felt really normal but it was unexpected in terms of how i was thinking about these sessions but it just made so much sense it felt really good and i feel like Maverny's presence really changed the space in a really beautiful way it Mm -hmm. almost felt like this really reciprocal moment of an elder who wanted to also Mm -hmm. learn from people that were younger than her but also want to share her Mm -hmm. journey that for me was a, a big turning point as well because yeah. up until then I had connected with lots of different people within Ladywood but just in that moment I know the beautiful stories that Maverney shared and how she wanted to connect own past with her present in this scenario in these sessions was really kind of the epitome of what we planned and yeah. what I really had in mind and I think those beautiful moments you, you can't really plan them they just happen and it's yeah. like oh okay that's the thing right after doing that
1: project obviously mavernie was always part of church like she's always been a big person in church but i had never properly talked to her she used to work with my mom quite a bit when we first moved here because she does a lot of work with mothers uh, especially when my little sister was born and uh, by myself had never talked to her like one one. and since then she's been coming around the house and talking to my mom and talking to me and trying to get me more involved in things in church and it's, and it's been really cool and i think start doing that project with you definitely started a conversation about intergenerational worship and things like that at church mm. I think really inspired her and inspired me as well. So it's really cool to do this with you because talking with you was kind of like we well, inspired getting involved in like community work.
2: Yeah because it's really nice to even hear you say that because I remember in those sessions as well we did some pieces around reimagining different parts of your neighbourhood and what it would feel like to thrive but I don't think we necessarily used the word maybe we did use the word thrive but actually what was coming out of those sessions was about what made people feel good and connected to each other so it's quite cool to just hear that that kind of spurred on this relationship that kind of was already there but just hadn't Mm -hmm. been unlocked in like the different ways of you personally just connecting with Mavernie so it's really beautiful to hear that because even now I'll see and I feel so warm when I see her because that was the first time or maybe second time that I'd actually met her throughout the session. So it was also a similar moment for me as well to just really deeply connect in that way because I kind of grew up around my grandparents a lot, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, so... Even with Maverni kind of coming into that space, it felt like something that I know really well. But to connect with that outside of my family and to feel so understood by someone yeah. was just really beautiful. So I'm glad that you have that relationship yeah. with her.
1: It's and really I cool. Think it's really taught me to value because I moved from Ethiopia when I was really young, right? So I didn't have a lot of time with my grandparents. Most of them have passed away and even my grandmother who's still around, we only really get to talk to her. like video calls and I haven't been back home so I think this really taught me how valuable intergenerational relationships are and I think talking about intergenerational relationships we're gonna do a quick segue into the tower which had a lot of intergenerational relationships there was grandmothers who went there they met their husbands their kids went there they had their kids there marriages birthdays dances and just talking about that space. Obviously you didn't go there, but have you heard any stories of the tower?
2: Yeah, definitely. Some of the stories that have stuck with me the most are the ones where it feels like it's come out of a different context. Obviously, working in Ladywood, the Tower Ballroom is such a pivotal kind of part of the the narrative. Yeah so through work i've heard people share lots of stories and i've kind of learned about what the what the feel was mm. but one of my most interesting things was my aunt came down the boat one weekend and i randomly spoke to her about the tower ball or iris might have been here and then my aunt was like oh yeah i used to go there and at that moment i was like wow that really showed me how far and wide the towel ballroom wasn't what it meant for people was not just situated here in ladywood it was a place that you would go to and travel from around the city to go to and i think that is what makes it so interesting because you don't often get spaces like that just out of the city center literally right by people's houses right by like the address and reservoir we don't have spaces like that in the city so there's something quite historical but also quite iconic about that and how it can weave people's relationship with their place but also then with their city and their experience and then the culture of the city as well. I think we we have lost some of that within Birmingham just because of you know years of like modernization and you know the city looks very different to how, what it looked like in the 60s right So I think there's something quite iconic about how the tower born brought so many people together. But one thing I love is how people met their long life partners there, right? That in itself makes me think about how important those spaces are because I think finding those connections with people or making new friends because of a venue, bringing you together and not necessarily because it's like, oh, we have to go to this place because this is where all my friends are going, but going to a place where you can make those connections is really beautiful. And I really appreciate those elements of stories that have come out of the of the tower. Through the
1: stories I felt more connected to the building and while I myself wasn't there and I didn't experience the actual feel of it I somehow feel nostalgic for a place that I have never been to or experienced and I think it was also so sad to think about how it is now because before working with this project I had no idea about the building obviously I had walked around the reservoir because I live around here and Sometimes in the corner of your eye, you'd always wonder what that building used to be. But I don't think anyone that doesn't know the story would ever imagine it to be like a place so grand as it really was. And I think that's
2: just so sad. I 100% agree. And I think people have been robbed of future memories, yeah. for sure. And have been robbed of future experiences because like you, I feel nostalgic. And I'm 29. I've grown up in Birmingham, lived in Birmingham mm. my whole life. I don't know if I will have that experience of a venue like that and that is is quite sad and it does make me want to create more spaces for those stories and those experiences to happen not just for myself but just so that people have those moments where they can go oh do you remember that time oh my gosh yeah we met so and so there and this happened and then we did this and You know, my I've grown up my family always talking about this one bar called Ipanema. And like all my family used to just go there and like dance to salsa like all night and then come home. Again, I don't know if I'll have those same memories in the same way. And I think that might also be because, you know, we've changed how we interact socially and things like that. But I definitely think people have been robbed of that for sure, especially with the history of the Tower of War Room.
1: Is that the kind of work you try to do in Civic Square?
2: great question in lots of ways yes Mm -hmm. because our work is really rooted in nobility anything that we do is it's about it being co-authored by the neighborhood it's about it being reciprocal and allowing people to bring themselves wherever they are at and that's why our first kind of iteration of what the future Civic square could be and will be it's around the front room And we based so much of our work around the ideas of the front room because in many like Caribbean households and other cultures, households, the front room was that place of coming together. But there was also this element of preservation. There was also this element of this is where the serious conversations happen. There's also this element of that space being a clear kind of space. It was there for when guests came. It was there to show a level of, I think, pride and care for space. So, a lot of our work is based around those principles. And in order to do that, a big part of that process is allowing people to come to you, but also going to people. How can I help? Yeah. What can I do? I want to roll my sleeves up. What do you need? And that was a big 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 part of our journey from 2020 it was about deeply connecting with the neighbors in Ladywood the people that we kind of already knew you know because they were already involved in certain things and actually that aspect of it I think that's probably the foundations of, of building space where people maybe can have those experiences or those stories or those deep connectors and I think to be in that work it's it is hard I won't ever downplay this work. It's it's difficult. And the way that we work, because it's iterative, we're constantly learning, right? And then we're constantly saying, okay, how can we make sure that people feel heard, feel seen? And how can we also be really good neighbours? That's a big question that we ask ourselves all the time. Are we being good neighbours? And how can we do more of that? And what what does that mean to people? Because it does mean different things.
1: With Civic Square... Were you here when it first started or did you join afterwards?
2: So before Civic Square, there was Impact on Birmingham Network. Base of and the foundations of that, it's a space to be innovative. It was a space to connect on social issues. It was a space to think about big ideas and start to challenge the ideas or the decisions around the city and start to really ask those bigger questions while also holding a space for co-working while also holding a space for weekly lunches. I actually started at Impact of Birmingham and I started in the year that it was closing. So I kind of came from a theater background, marketing, devising work and like live art and performance and I was just doing digital marketing for arts organizations, theater organizations. And I came to Impact Hub Birmingham quite a few times while I was freelancing and then I kind of met people. So I started producing events there and then it was just kind of like, okay, I'm coming out of this marketing. And I had a conversation with Imi, who's one of the co-founders of Impact Hub Birmingham. And I said, oh, I'm in this place now, right? And it just so happens that there was a job going and I was just doing operational things like moving tables and setting up events and ordering the food and doing coffee. And then from there, I kind of went straight into the planning of Civic Square. So I'm one of the co-founders of Civic Square. It's one of those things where I'm kind of at that point of doing my dream work. And I'm very privileged to even be at that point. There's so many people who are not at that point yet so I feel quite grateful for that and it did kind of just happen I just fell into it and I'm like oh okay but I've been quite lucky to fall into kind of what I want to do here and get into more curation get into producing in a very particular way not kind of going okay there's a list of jobs and someone else has to do that but actually producing in a way where it's very Mm co-authored by people and developed by the team in an assemblage and it's been a really beautiful way to work, but it is difficult when you're working in a way that is so different to the rest of the world, almost how you communicate with each other. We really center our team to like thrive and flourish. And that often means really seeing people for themselves and allowing them to be who they are in that space. And some of that just means, you know, we're all kind of shedding layers and layers of what society has said this is what it is to work this is what yeah. it is to be a professional this is what it is to so it's quite interesting to work in that way but i kind of wouldn't change it because i think i've been quite lucky to get into this and actually feel like oh i'm still learning i don't ever want to get to the point where i feel like i'm not learning anymore
1: with civics you've
2: talked about a lot of the things that
1: you value but what have been your favorite things to do like your favorite either hosted or an event you've had
2: Straight off the bat, I would say On the SETI, which was the first series I ever curated. And that was conversations with people in the neighborhood. And we were still online then. So this is in like 2020. So we launched On the SETI, where I just basically started kind of like interviewing people. And at that point, I was really stepping into what hosting could be. And it's, you know, that whole series was where. We met some people who have been so pivotal to how we work now in this neighbourhood. So we met Iris in there. We met David Derbyshire, Annette Derbyshire, Sam Yule as well. People that have been really pivotal to our work moving forward. And a lot of the people that were in that first series have been doing this work in this neighborhood for a long time. So to be able to spotlight them and really give them that moment to tell their story, because I think when you're already doing these things and encapsulating your work, it's very hard to actually say your story because you're still doing it, right? And I think all the seasons of On The Seti, what's been beautiful is putting a spotlight on people and almost giving them their flowers, right? And saying like, you are doing this great stuff. Let's just talk about it. So that was amazing. And then I would probably say break bread. I love hosting break bread, which is our weekly lunch and to go for the development of what that is you know we have these questions that people answer and now some of those answers if people want to it can go into the data kind of picture that we're creating of ladywood which is going to be open source so everyone can literally just like have this data of what is happening in ladywood how our social needs are being met how our ecological needs are being met So i'm quite excited about that and to do that over food in a really relaxed way where people feel that they can be and can just kind of come and meet people is really beautiful because sometimes that's very hard. It's a hard balance to to get right. Oh, there's so many things. (laughs) There's so many things. But also just being here like on the weekends and getting to meet so many kids and so many families, like that's definitely been a highlight for me. The kids in Ladywood are just the best. I've just found them so open and really curious and playful. And also just they want to share their own stories too. And that's been really great to be part of that as well
1: you have talked a lot about Zurich Goya wanting to be good neighbours. And I remember when I first heard of the Port Loop development, there was a lot of talk around people being like, oh, they're going to be lots of different people that aren't from Ladywood coming in, barging into the area. And I think when I first heard of it, I I too was a bit sceptical. But I think seeing the kind of work that you guys do, it's really cool to see how you are so involved in the community. And I was wondering what your strategies were to be good neighbours. Are there things
2: you do, certain things you follow? I think there's a couple things there. One thing coming into this work was I really understood and still understand a lot of the skepticism around Port Loop just as a development, whether it was Port Loop or or not, right? I I really understand that. And I think it's a very valid feeling. So often when people have said this to me, I'm kind of like, yeah, like I get it, (laughs) right? And that is a big thing. I feel part of our early, early works is also just distinguishing that we're not part of the developers but we're here to bridge different gaps or or, or to just bridge lots of people together and that really did come from there's new parts of ladywood but there is an existing ladywood and there's been an existing ladywood forever so how do we actually make people feel that they can come to this space you know we're based here we use a lot of the green space but i also understand that for people not just for people just the city in general some of the things that we've kind of thought of really deeply about. And I wouldn't necessarily say they're strategies because they're quite just human things. Yeah. But I would say, in order to be a good neighbor, we've always said that we don't always want people to have to come to us. That's a big thing. We want to go around Ladywood and actually meet people mm. and actually connect with what they're doing. So the goal is not always to tell people about Civic Square and be like, come down. No, the the thing is to just talk to people, Mm -hmm. right? Because someone may not connect with Civic Square at this moment in time, but I still want to know what they're doing, right? Because if they're doing some really cool stuff, I just want to go and participate. So there's that. So as a team, especially the co-founders when we like first kind of stepped into 2020, that was a big thing for us about just going, meeting people. Another thing was to always kind of be aware of how we're approaching people, I guess, as well, and always being on neutral ground in a lot of ways so that people feel that they can just kind of connect with us. And then the nobility piece is huge. The nobility piece was really really massive for us because actually we found that there are so many people in ladywood because of how the area has been treated by like this city by everything right that often people just haven't had that space where they've just been treated really in just a noble manner like come have a tea have a coffee have a cake so some of that really helped break down those barriers because nobility also looks different for people too and then another thing was that When we're trying to think about certain things within our work, we think about what that means in the neighborhood. So when, you know, school dinners were not great, as in when all the kids were off school, we started to think about, okay, what does it mean in Ladywood if lots of kids are at home and we already knew that like the percentages of certain things like that in households were like quite low. It might be like a whole family sharing one laptop or one computer. So like, okay, what can we do to make that easier We'll give young people their own agency so we had these hey no laptops and you have to build them and it wasn't just about being like hey here's a laptop no it's about how are we stepping into that curiosity and allowing kids to be curious so that's some of the things that we think about quite a lot it's about what are the conditions that we can create for people to be curious to be playful to be imaginative to start to dream in a way that maybe other spaces haven't allowed them to so there was something about about that so they're kind of our main types of things really that we thought quite a lot about
1: I feel like the first time I really heard about what you were doing at civic square is when my dad came home with a kenko laptop and I was like where did you get these free laptops from isn't it a bit dodgy that people are going around giving out free laptops and he was like what they're really nice people because he's he always wants to see the best in people, you know, yeah. like being priests and stuff. And I was just like, "Do these laptops even work?" So I was really skeptical. Mm. I put the first one together by myself because I was like, "I just want to see what this is about." Yeah, and it was perfectly functioning. Nothing was wrong with it. It haven't even had like little stickers to put on, and I was like, "So they're just that was like really amazing." and I'm so like, you just went into Ladywood and started giving out free laptops for kids to build together.
2: I think that was the first time I was like yeah I forgot yeah yeah oh my gosh yeah so there was another thing around that as well was like even forms that people have to fill out whatever they're not forms like tell us how deserving you are of this thing Mm -hmm. no some of the questions are just like tell us about your family what do they enjoy doing Mm -hmm. right because that's what it was it was about getting to know people but also them not feeling like they now owe us something because it's not that it's just like You have curious kids, right? And the unfortunately, the government really wasn't doing much to aid that at all. And it was like, you know, one thing that we always talk about as well is kids like playing out or like kids feeling free to do things and be. And that was it. Kind of tied into those canos because it was just kind of like, yeah, what happens if kids actually are able to put things together? And then the free software stuff that comes with the cano, it's like, oh yeah, then they can learn to code and then that's digital literacy in like this really fun creative way and just trying to remember how important that is and then also you can just do homework on there right that was a big thing to around those digital care packages and I really enjoyed working on that as well it was really really great to just meet people and see what kids do and then they want to come and show you stuff and you're like oh this is really fun which was really great.
1: Another thing you focused on talking about is like about feeding people, and I think being Ethiopian, that's a really big thing. People always come over, you know, like sit down, have something to eat. That's always been a really big thing in our community, and I think it makes people feel more comfortable because like, people at first are always like, no, you don't have to serve me, it's okay, and it's like, no, sit down, you're gonna eat, you have to be really persistent. At first, when my mum used to do it, I was just like, if they don't want to eat, just leave them. (laughs) There's more for us. And she's like, "No, it's about the principle that if someone comes to your house, you feed them, you talk to them, you ask them about their life. I used to think it was like, you don't even know these people. Like my friends will come to talk to me and she'll be really insistent that I have to feed them. I'm like, they don't care. And I think seeing that with you guys has really made me feel more comfortable just because of the culture that I come from. Do you find that's the same with other people? And they do it because I know it's really multicultural.
2: Yeah, I feel like that. And even from Impact Hub, we always had that weekly lunch, right? Because in that space, it was co-working space. So having that lunch would break up the day in a way that felt quite normal and quite natural to a lot of the team as well. And I do think some of that was really deeply, very cultural within our team and within our team now as well. This idea of allowing people to leave with more they came with if someone comes and can leave feeling really full and satisfied and they're nourished by being able to talk to someone i think there's something quite empowering in that because it gives you this sense of what you can maybe give to someone else in a way. You then know, oh, if I can just offer someone a tea or even if it's not a tea, we we'll just offer them something. I think it starts to build relationships in a way. And sometimes when you're doing that over food, you just start to feel connected because you start to go, oh, OK, that's really nice yeah. that I've been able to come here and I didn't expect that. And oh, I'm allowed it's this moment of letting people know like, of course, yeah, you are. That's been something that I think has kind of been deeply a cultural thing. I think it's been beautiful that we've been able to bring it in this particular way, because when it comes to break bread, we have lots of different people coming, right? And there's just something about being able to just make that small kind of offer. And we always wanted people to be able to meet each other because that is part of that bridging that we want to do so it would mean you could sit next to someone that you've never spoken to before and then you actually could leave just knowing a bit about them or a bit about someone else who's sat on your table and feeling like you can come and just be yourself as well and i think food does do that because if you just want to sit there and eat equally no one's judging you (laughs) right like it's it's a whole thing so i do think yeah that that food piece is Age old, right? Always breaking bread, always just like it gives you something, and you also just being nourished physically by the food as well. And I think that can just change people's day, especially if the food's really good, which our food always is really good mm-hmm. to awesome. so <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if lots of people ask you this, but nearly every time I come around to where someone has a book about donut economics. And I've always wondered what that's about. Is that like, okay, something to strive
2: for? What is it? Right. Donut economics is a kind of framework and tool, I would say, that we use at Civic Square. So it underpins so much of our work. So donor economics looks at economics in a way that doesn't focus on GDP rising. It focuses on our social needs and it focuses on our planetary needs. And then also what happens when we aren't meeting our social needs. So if we haven't got great healthcare or we aren't in a space where we feel politically we can challenge or make change, or if we haven't got clean water and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. That pushes our social needs kind of in the middle of the donuts. If you imagine a donut shape and there's a hole in the middle, if our social needs are not being met and that kind of outer the next ring, then it's kind of pushing us into the middle of the donut and that's mm-hmm. kind of where we don't wanna be. But actually, society at the moment, is more going more towards falling through that the middle of the donut. And then the outer rings are our planetary boundaries. So it's kind of looking at multiple things like the the ozone layer. It's looking at oceans. It's looking at all of these things outside that directly affect our planet and our environment. When we're focusing in on that, you start to make these spaces for the community. You start to think about it differently. You start to go, okay if, I don't know, people's health needs aren't being met, what does that mean? What does that actually mean for their day-to-day? What does it mean for us as a neighbourhood? What does it mean for Birmingham as a city? and I think when you start to answer those questions without kind of the space of just thinking about money right when you start to really think about that it pulls you into this space where you are very human and everyone is very human and we look at each other in ways that allow nuance and it's not just kind of about individualism it's about collective nature so donor economics has seven kind of principles one of them is moving away from I to we so it's about that kind of collective movement and structures and then other ones are kind of getting savvy with systems so one of the systems that we use that i can use as, as an example we have a sub pod so it's like a collective composter i guess and it's filled with like worms and soil and then it's quite regenerative because the worms eat the compost and everything that's breaking down and then they make the soil amazing and then things grow out of them <laughs> so it's like if you can create that demonstrator of how a system can work you then allow people to start thinking. What if we had a subpotter on a street? What does that then look like? What could we grow? And then you start looking at your food waste, right? And then you start going, oh, okay. So this cycle could be like this instead of kind of wasting, but actually let's reuse it or let's break down that waste at every, every kind of other layer as mm-hmm. well. So yeah, that's kind of done Economics in a nutshell. I probably, I hope I've done yeah. that justice, but it's really a great book in terms of lots of people have done all of this, before right it's not anything that's necessarily new but the way that it's been put together allows you to also expand what that means within your neighborhood or wherever you're using it as well
1: so with civic square what are the things you're planning to do in the future is there anything coming up yes
2: yes the future 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 thing is that one of the buildings on site, one of the factory buildings would turn into a community space where we would have a maker space, we'd have a library, we'd have a space where people can kind of sit and co-work, we'd also have like another space of coffee shop, and all of that would kind of be for everyone in the neighborhood. And then we would try and kind of create that space of if you are in the neighborhood and you already live here and you're part of a front room key or something that you could just come into the coffee shop and then you could just kind of come in and it's no kind of questions asked so it's not kind of surveillance or anything like that Mm -hmm. it's like bringing that noble energy and feel from what we do now into that space Mm -hmm. and then the long 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 term is that that space would eventually go into community ownership so Mm -hmm. our work that we're doing and that we're looking at is always about how this is going to be beneficial to the community and to the neighborhood in the long run. So a lot of what we try to do is step away from just short-term thinking, but to be thinking in the long term. then on top of that, I guess more like now in October, we'll be having a launch of the neighborhood donut launch ultimately mm-hmm. where... The data picture that we've started to kind of gather about around ladywood would be presented and mm. would be out <laughs> there in the world and hopefully lots of different people in ladywood now will have access to this data because that's another thing data is so feels gatekept sometimes yeah. so it's really hard to to find it so we'd hope now that that would just be an open source piece of data that people can really connect with especially organizations and individuals it's going to be really important i think for the city and uh, again stepping away from the systems that we know of like oh data looks like this and it lives just in a report and it goes into a drawer you can only get access to it if you're so and so we're already trying to break that down as well and make that kind of more accessible to people and it's going to be great because so many people in the neighborhood would have co-authored that and put in their thoughts and feelings so.
1: What kind of emotional feedback do you get from people? Is it people telling you they love what you're doing or do you get criticism sometimes? I don't know why you would.
2: oh yeah i think a bit of both and everything in between to be honest i think some of the criticism can come from spaces of maybe people haven't been able to interact with us but have heard things or you know just haven't been able to engage with us right i also think that's valid criticism too right if you're hearing other things from different people or you know it's really important to also acknowledge what other people think and feel Mm -hmm. about what civic square is or you know, they may not have had the chance to interact either. So it is their only kind of information is from different spaces. But even when that comes, I think it's just a moment of learning again. I, I, I don't ever feel like I need to defend everything that we do or mm-hmm. anything like that, because I just want to listen to what people are saying. Great. Right? And then if I can say, oh, we, we do this thing too, or you should come to this event. I think you enjoy it. That's the, the invitational aspect of it. And then... Other things are like, yeah, people really enjoy like what we're doing. But my favorite thing is when people have enjoyed it a lot and then they go, hey, can I do this? I think maybe you could put that on top of it. You could do this. And that's the sweet spot for me when people have enjoyed it so much and then feel comfortable enough to to contribute. That's the 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 best that is the cherry on top for me Mm -hmm. because it just shows that you can build trust you can do this work while connecting really deeply with who people actually are Mm -hmm. that's like beautiful and some of the in-between stuff I think is just about learning just about neighborhood politics right that is just a Thing. There's so many different things that happen in different spaces in Ladywood and different. There's just things, and you just have to almost be like open to not getting into that, but learning and understanding. And I think we're in quite a good position to not necessarily have to get involved with that, but are able to understand and see the nuance in things as well. And that's really important for us to also not move away from things that feel difficult. It's almost like if I ever have that feeling where I'm like, oh, this feels. Whatever, I have to kind of go, this work is about people. So that's where you gotta step into it. That's what I feel anyway. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think the final thing I just want to touch upon is what you think the future of youth spaces. I know it's a really big question, but we were talking about how in the tower, lots of people got to build memories with Mm. their friends. And lots of people that we've talked to have said it was their first introduction into the nightclub scene or the partying scene. And it was always safe because it was always people your parents knew. It was your mates. And even if you were meeting new people, you always felt safe in it. And I think personally, I grew up in Ladywood. I don't think there's a lot of spaces like that. You have also said you grew up here as well, around Birmingham and you haven't had that either so what do you think we need to do to kind of bring back that feeling of safety and like communal places for young people big question
2: to be totally honest I have a fear of what spaces are going to look like my fear around that is that obviously we have such a young population Mm. in Birmingham and my fear is that we haven't done enough to allow young people to be empowered and within that my fear is how are young people going to know that they can be and can reimagine parts of the city and that they can make change that is my only fear that I just don't I'm not sure if we've given young people enough space to mess up <laughs> learn from it come back I think a lot of young people are pigeonholed in the city and I find that really nerve-wracking and I also just think generally in society at the moment because of things like cancer culture I just wonder where young people are going to get that space to know that they can make mistakes and still grow from it or still come back from that I find cancer culture quite difficult because When I was growing up, yes, we were on the internet, but the first kind of wave of internet, right, like a dial-up and everything, it was very different because not everyone, not all of your mistakes could be there on the internet. It just wasn't a thing. So we were able to mess up and whatever in real time and then, oh, actually people just forget about it or whatever, right? So that's where some of my fear comes from. However, I think there are a lot of young people in Birmingham who have been in spaces or around people that tells them, oh, you you can do stuff here, right? The, the ground can be fertile. And I love that because that is infectious. That is the thing that pushes hope. That is the thing that keeps people going. So I just feel that actually some of these spaces are really going to be led by young people with the support of people that care about young people and their future Mm. i think that's what's going to happen and that is is going to be absolutely beautiful and i don't know what it's going to look like but there's something very special about that and i'm quite excited for that as well
0: We're listening to this episode of amplifying voices don't hesitate to send us your reaction and comments either on instagram at birth associates or by email that is admin at birth a Burt associates podcast produced by the children of the diaspora find out more on our website birdsassociates.net.